Well, uh, speaking of getting old, um, it's uh, six months into the year. We're halfway through the year so far <clears throat> on that reality. Um, uh, and that even means that today here is a end of a, a sermon series we've been doing now for five months. And uh, earlier in this year, I, I called this year as our base camp year for us as a church. And uh, with that, being that it's halfway through, I thought, well, I'm going to bring back the base camp gear, so the hiking boots and the t-shirt, and uh, keep moving forward. If you were to read on the rest of the back of my shirt, it talks about how, you know, uh, you can, you can uh, get thirsty, you can get tired, you can even puke, but you can't quit. Uh, on that. So uh, moving forward here, and we've been talking about that as a church, and the uh, reason for that is just what we laid out at the beginning of the year. So let me do a review uh, all the way up uh, to the current here for us. We started out the year, and the key word for the year is forward, forward. Um, we're grateful for the past, grateful for the past, eyes on the future, eyes on what's forward. And we started this year out actually with uh, kind of setting ourselves and, and aligning ourselves as a people together, because if we're going to move forward, we want to move forward together. This isn't about moving on, on a forward one alone or all alone. This is about together. And so let's kind of, as a faith family, just use the time to align. And so we talked about that, and uh, we talked about how, um, I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Um, I'll tell you, uh, straight on the table right at this moment. When you, uh, when you want something so bad out of finishing a series and uh, your words seem so incapable, that's where I'm at today. So bear with me here. Oh, that was transparent. Um, Let's look back and rejoice at what God's done. In March of 2018, uh, this group of people planted a church over in uh, the theater, uh, Mount Launch, uh, kind of refer to those years, and those infancy years were sweet. Then in February 2014, looking back and just grateful for the time we moved in here uh, into this base place, ascending base place, and uh, kind of began the establishing years. And now in 2022, we're standing before Mount Forward. My wife and I really enjoy hiking and uh, uh, love the mountains. I prefer the mountains more than the beaches myself, and I just love that when you're at the base and you're looking up and you see an adventure ahead. You don't know what it's going to be. You know it's going to push you. You know at times you're going to want to quit, but it's awesome and you can't wait to move on and just the, uh, the excitement of it all. And, and we're at that place, and that's why we kind of said, hey, uh, let's, let's take the word forward and let's use this. And I just want to say thank you to all of our staff, our elders, our pastors, our uh, staff, just in there working so hard in so many ways for what Mount Forward is. And in fact, just this last week, we added four new elders onto the elder team. We've are in the various stages of pursuing some new key leads and even a future new lead pastor, as you know about, 
uh, into the future. We're, we're also just in the process of working through the eight strategic initiatives that we have for this year and so grateful for all of that. And while they're doing that and gearing up for Mount Forward, uh, we're also as a church family kind of together gearing up for that. And we're doing that here in this place uh, particularly on Sundays. And so that's why in January, it's like, let's align ourselves. Uh, let's align to what's ahead. And so in that, we talked about, we desire to be a people on a mission. And that mission is to uh, be a people who are pointing all people to a passionate pursuit of the radiant God. That's what we want. God is the one who's radiant. And we want to point to him, and we want to be in a passionate pursuit of him and pointing people to that. We also want to be a church that has uh, values of uh, intensely vertical and foundationally scriptural and genuinely uh, or deeply relational and genuinely authentic. Man, let's fly those flags as we proceed ahead with, uh, with what's going on. Um, and then we have a want to be a people of vision where by God's grace, by 2030, Radiant Bible Church will permeate the west side of Indianapolis with the hope of the gospel. Oh, we desire that. God, might you do something with us through God's people throughout the west side of Indianapolis where the hope of the gospel permeates in ways that we've never seen before. And we'll let you define what that looks like exactly, but do a work among us. And and out of that, just resulting in, we desire here to have all of this turning out to be a place where there are worshipers who are increasingly bringing glory to God, and where disciples are intentionally pursuing life with Christ, and God's people are pouring out their lives, uh, the gospel in their lives. And so that's in January, we said that, that this is the kind of thing we have. And then we have uh, C.S. Lewis's quote, I like, uh, we might think that God wanted simply obedience to a set of rules, whereas he really wants people of a particular sort. And this is the sort of people that we desire here to be by God's grace uh, as a church family. And in that, then after January, it's like, okay, that, that's where we're headed. Let's align to that. And then it's like, okay, let's, let's be a, equip ourselves for this. And in the equipping of ourselves for this kind of this year at base camp, uh, it has this idea of, hey, if we are going to be a people that is about pointing other people to a passion pursuit of the radiant God, then we need to be a people. We need to continue to be a people where the, the, the passionate pursuit of God is a real thing in our lives. Let's not just talk about it, let's be it. And so we had a Growing Forward series that is concluding um, today. And if we're gonna be a people pointing people, we need to be a people that is growing forward in the Lord. And in that, uh, we began this series over the five months ago in February by looking back. And uh, God, created by God, placed by God, broken by choice, Genesis 1 through 3. And then in that, in light of that, also knowing the reality that we are yet still known and pursued by God. Hey, friends, when sin came into the picture of this world, God did not go, I'm out with you. God, in fact, is like, I, I knew what's coming and I am pursuing after you. And uh, that's a glorious thing because if we do not understand where we came from, we do not understand where we live now. And that's where it came from. But we also need to know what's happening ahead. And so we went to scripture and took a look at scripture and, and three things on the table we put on, the, on that and looking ahead is there is a time to die. Hey, news item, unless the Lord returns, everyone in this room will die one day. 
And Doug, that's bad news we don't want to talk about. No, no, let's talk about it. Because that impacts now, friends. That impacts now. Oh, by the way, and there's a time to die, and there's also a time to stand before the Lord we talked about. And then for those who are redeemed in Christ, there is a time to reign with the Lord forever. Bring that on. I vote that now. <laughs> and yet in it, when we understand this, we have a perspective of where we now live in. But, but if we do not understand that the, the fulcrum point, the turning point, the historical point of redemptive history that, ha- that is the centering point of it all is the reality of looking to the cross and the resurrection. That's the thing that changes everything. Uh, for us. And when a person comes to know that Christ did for them what they could not do for themselves, that we are sinners separated from a holy God, and yet he stepped in, boots on the ground, to do that for us and make that available, and to all who would receive, that that is redeeming work done in them. And that's what we heard with the two baptisms earlier today. And yet out of that, that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is that when we come to Christ, there's a living new reality that goes on. And we talked about how the time when you have received Christ as your Savior, you are made new before God. Prove it, Doug. I would love to. 2 Corinthians 5.17, as we studied. Um, You've been made a new creature before the Lord. That's a glorious thing. But not only have we been made new, but we've also been called to new. Colossians 2, 6, and 7. Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. There's a call to to now put on Christ and to walk in the Lord. And yet the wonderful reality of that is sometimes we can be called to something, but we're incapable of doing that. But in this, Scripture tells us not only have we been called to that, but we have been equipped for that. We have been equipped by the Spirit of God. We've been equipped by the Word of God. And we are equipped to the people of God to be able able to do the call of God. And that's the story that we laid out in the whole movement of it. And in this, the reason I had us invest invest months in this is because too often people are trying to grow and change in Christ and they don't even know the story they live in. Friends, we live in a God story from beginning to end. And our stories are not about our stories. Our stories are to be within the story of God. And our stories are to reflect that, live off of that, knowing that God created us, placed us, even in our brokenness, pursues pursues us and knows us, knowing that there is a time to die, a time to stand, and for those in Christ, a time to reign, all based on the foundational reality of the work of Christ at the cross and the resurrection. And at the time, as many as received him, to them he made them new, he called them to new, and he equipped them for new. Ah, I get cranked up. We live in a story that is the story. And when we lose the story, no wonder we struggle. No wonder we get lost because the story is not in our head. And so in all of this, we brought this back to, okay, so the knowing that, let's move from the data, let's move to the doing. Let's move from the knowing, let's go to the doing. So how do we live new in Christ? And that's what we already as a church spent uh, Sunday's talking about four things out of that. In fact, I have a new diagram here. This is kind of like the yin and yang diagram with the, with a hole in the middle of it. Look, kind of looks like a yin and yang donut, doesn't it? 
I'm hoping that this image will be an image that will help you remember into the future this. Four things we talked about at the very center of it is our thinking. Romans 12, 1 and 2. How does a, where does growing and changing in Christ begin? Here. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The, the, the control center of our lives, our soul, if you will, the heart of us, it happens right here in our thinking. This is where it takes place. We so often get, think, we, we so often get lost in all of the activities out here. We think that this controls us. Truth of the matter is, this controls us. And that's why God calls us back to renew our thinking in all this, so uh, the thinking of it. And then we took a look, and I called it the place of repentance. It's same in this centering place. And we might call this the abiding place. I'm just grabbing this repentance place because uh, the idea of repentance has, it's kind of like a word no one wants to talk about. We don't want to go there. We don't want to frequent that. That's where you get a timeout. That's the punishment place. No, it's not. That's the grace place. When a person comes to Christ, as we just heard with Shelby, and says, I am a sinner, I am tired and broken. I repent, I am in need of you. Hey, listen, God is not like, you're in the timeout place. God is like, I am loving this. I'm sure that's exactly how it sounds, <laughs> right? Uh, this is the place of forgiveness. This is a place of repentance. And we are to frequent that place. We're to frequent that place. This is an abiding place. This is a place of grace, of hope that is poured out. And when we talk about the subject of growing and changing in Christ, over the years as I've worked with people and as I've sought to grow as a disciple in Christ in my own life, we need to understand that we're going to come back to this place often, 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 because we're going to fall, we're going to fail, we're going to miss it in it. And this is not a punishment place. This is a great place because it's a grace place. And growing and changing needs grace. And this is a place to come on our knees, frequenting, thinking. This is the center of it all. But then in the activity of it all, then we went to Colossians chapter 3, and we took a look at, at what Colossians said. Verses 1 through 4 really talk about this centering place of the thinking and repentance, if you will, in that. Our identity is in Christ there. And yet out of that, Paul goes into talking out of verses uh, 5 through 11 about how we're to put off what is earthly in us. That's the action of it. He even names specifically some items in there with put off this and put off this, and these are kinds of things that we're to be putting off. It's this idea of presently, actively, imperatively. It's continuously. It's, it's not a putting off till it's dead because, friends, we are not going to uh, see no more sin, no more temptation until we see the Lord. And until that time, it's gladiator up, right? The picture on the screen, yeah, Maximus, do it, dude. On the screen, uh, the sword of the spirit, the, 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 the shield of faith, uh, which is the word of God, a shield of spirit, which is the word of God. That's what we're talking about in it. And it's putting off. We're in a war, friends. We're in a war and it's coming at us. And we're to put it off what is earthly in us. And then we're also to presently, actively, imperatively put on. We're to put on Christ-likeness. By the way, a person does not begin looking like Christ until Christ-likeness is put on. I, I would even, as a thought, I would even suggest you think this through. Uh, an atheist can think about areas that they need to grow and change in. An atheist, I'll even say it this way, can be sorry for things. An atheist can even say, I want to put that off. 
An atheist can't put on Christ-likeness. This is where the difference happens. This is where looking like Christ happens in the reality of it all. It's base camp here. And this is the last five months on one screen. <laughs> there are times when it's like, five months for that? <laughs> yeah, five months for that. By the way, I just want for you to know the rest of this sermon today is not a typical sermon because we've got five months of that on the screen. And so today I'm taking it to this application place. We're not going to be opening God's word and studying it because we've been doing it for five months. And I want to talk to you about something to help you transfer this into the doing of. I think there's a missing link and I want to try and bring it in today here in this time. So let's pray. God, help us. Help me. Oh, I yearn that I, that we would be a people that don't just know this, don't just believe this, but that we would be doers of the word and not hearers only. My attempts here are so feeble and frail. Words so incapable. I want it bad in us. So Spirit of God, would you do work? Would you bring encouragement to us? Clarity to us? Lord, you say that you are the one who works in us to will and to work for your good purposes. God, I pray that, I claim that. Help us. In your name we pray, amen. I suggest the single largest reason that God's people do not grow forward in their relationship with Christ is because they are actually not intentional about growing forward in their relationship with Christ. We simply assume it will happen. Let me say that again. I suggest that the single largest reason that God's people do not really grow forward in their walk with Christ is because we're not actually intentional about growing forward in our walk with Christ. We've been studying in Scripture where there is a partnership in this. God is making a call to us that even in Colossians 3, that we are to presently, actively, imperatively, we must be continuously, actively doing. That's our involvement in it. We understand from God's perspective, we cannot do that with God having worked in us. But for our uh, boots on the ground, six feet off the ground, or however tall you are, uh, point of it, it's our engagement with God in that. And, and there's this thing to where we know the data, but how do we move it? How do we shift it over into intentional growing in Christ? And, and that's the thing, I, that's the nail I want to try and hammer uh, for us today in that and help us. Um, and this conversation that's about to happen comes off of last Sunday when I said growing in Christ is about training, not trying. I just want to say, stop trying. 
Stop trying so hard. Stop being a Christian that's trying to grow in Christ and start becoming a follower of Christ that's training to grow in Christ. By the way, I get that terminology out of Wilborn and Gregor's book, The Cross Before Me. Um, they talk for a little bit about this in there, and it's talk, uh, I'll say it this way, trying is a life consumed with arduous attempts to achieve an end. It's like, I want that. It's like, I, I want patience, so I'm going to try. I've failed. I'm going to try again. I've failed. Wait a second. Uh, trying is arduous attempts over and over and over and over again. In fact, Wilborn and Gregor, they say this, sheer willpower won't enable us to die to ourselves. Instead, it is a recipe for exhaustion, failure, and discouragement. Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you're exhausted. It's like, I'm trying, Doug. I'm trying, Doug. Okay, stop trying. Instead, start moving to a mindset of training. A training is a life engaged in an intentional process of increased proficiency. Training is a life engaged in the intentional process, the intentional progression of increased proficiency. I mean, think about it. If someone says, I'm training, there's a mindset that already starts happening in our understanding. Okay, so you're trying to go from there to there. You're not trying to jump. You're in a process. You're in a movement. That's a training reality. If someone says, I'm training to run a marathon, you have an idea of that. If someone says, I'm training to be a doctor, You have an idea on that. They aren't a doctor, yet they're training to be a doctor. I'm training to speak Spanish. I'm training to bake sourdough bread. That's actually kind of a thing now I guess you know about in me. Uh, I love that. How do you get those bubbles bigger? Uh, I'm training in that. Uh, Training to be a bricklayer. Uh, I'm not that. (laughs) Training to race cars. I'm, I'm training to play the tuba. I'm training to be a gymnast. Here, I'm training to live new in Christ. That's what we're talking about. It's a whole mindset that I think is a healthy mindset. I would argue it's a biblical mindset. It's it's sanctified, uh, uh, progressive sanctification. Not only have I been sanctified in Christ positionally, but now I am living that out in my life, and that's taking time. That's what a disciple is. A disciple is in training. Training life should be our life. Truth of the matter is, is 99.99999% of us will never be the goat. We'll never be the greatest of all time in something. But we're training to it. We're, we're, we're training to it. And I just want to say this here. This is a place of training. Radiant Bible Church, this church is about being a place of training. Oh, by the way, That means that there will be people who will fall and fail and yet be in training. And we will love them because, frankly, it might be you and me. That's what's part of a training reality in it. It's a mindset of it. Uh, Training is that. And I'll finish this and I'll I'll get on to it. I'll put the icing on the training cake here. Let me bring the words of the great theologian, Bruce Lee. <laughs> if you don't know Bruce Lee, his younger ones, he's a karate guy. He said this, this is good. I fear not the man who has practiced 10,000 kicks. I fear the man who has practiced one kick 10,000 times. 
The first one is trying. I don't, I don't, he says in this context, I don't fear the man who has tried 10,000 different things. I, I fear the man who is trained on one thing. That's what we're talking about here. So how do I help us bring this link together? Answer, I'm just going to throw out a whole number of examples right? You, you have uh, the screen, you have this circle of doing here with the thinking and the repentance and the put off and the put on. Uh, I want to try and put some examples. And as a church family, some months ago, I asked our church family, what are some areas of growth that you would like to be, that you believe the Lord would love to see you growing in? And so I've taken those, you know, one you can tell anyone, one just between you and the Lord. And I have that list and all of these have come out of the, that list. This is us on the screen. I'm going to order them first. I'm going to go down a, a list of five categories that have to do with putting off. Like, I, by God's grace, I want to put that off. And then I want to talk about, by God's grace, uh, five that I want to put on. Okay? Uh, one of these, I hope, might help click the whole thing for you at this stage. Remember, all of the knowing, all of the underground, all of the circle of doing is on the table. How do we then link that how do we then bring that into the doing? Uh, here's what I would suggest. Examples. Like suggest, or, or what if the desire is that I believe that uh, for God's glory that I would like to put off an angry or an argumentative spirit. We all understand both of those, don't we? <laughs> hey, we all understand both of those, don't we? Come on, friends. Don't leave me all alone up here. By the way, the fact that uh, these are similar, but they're also different. They can be different. So I'm kind of doubling up examples all in the same shot. By the way, the very fact that it has just been named already brings specificity to the table. The, the fact that it's like, that's the area. I want to grow in the fact that I have an angry spirit. Or I have an argumentative spirit. The fact that that is already named, boom, we are on the training game. We, we have something before us. But it's not just uh, stating it there, but I will say this, stating it matters. Friends, we do not grow in generalities, we grow in specifics. Let me say that again. We do not grow in generalities. We grow in specifics. We, and I can prove it. Paul, chapter 3, as I already noted, verses uh, 5 through 11, he says, put off, put to death what is earthly in you. And then he gives you specific examples. Like this, and like this, and like this, and like this. And then in the next paragraph, oh, he actually gives two lists in there. And then in the next paragraph, he says, put on these things. He gives exact examples of it. Naming it matters. It helps us narrow in. What are you training for? I don't know. I'm just training. What? No, you're not. Training for what? Name it. Put it down. I have an angry, argumentative spirit as an example. Okay, thinking. We're going to the circle of doing. I'm in my thinking. Hey, search your heart, search scripture. That's what happens here. Search your heart, search scripture. Hey, when we get serious about growing and changing, we're willing to do those. Search your heart. What's going on in me? What's going on in you? If this is your area that causes anger in you, what are you wanting? 
What are you wanting so badly you're willing to sin to get it? What's going on in your heart? Hey, this is the time to where it gets personal. This is the time when the doctor begins putting the finger on, in the pain area. And Spirit of God, push the finger. And by the way, if it's in this moment of searching your heart that it's like, well, but he, well, but she, but well, they, you, you, you are in the wrong arena. Because even if they are responding unbiblically, their unbiblicalness does not condone your unbiblicalness. To be unbiblical in responding to unbiblicalness is unbiblical. Okay? All right? So in this, it's thinking, search your heart, study it, get to know yourself in this arena. What's going on? Watch yourself. Uh, yeah, take a couple minutes each day for a week, for two weeks, for a month. Watch what's happening in you and ask yourself, what's going on in me or in that? What was I wanting right in that moment? Oh, that's James chapter four, by the way. Why are there fights and quarrels among you? Is it not because of the war within you? Yeah, see, and if you're like, I don't know, I know you're not thinking hard enough. You're not diving in enough. Oh, and then search scripture. What does God's word have to say about angriness or anger? What does God's word have to say about the contentious person, about the argumentative person? Uh, by the way, uh, to do that, if you're old-fashioned, uh, go to concordance, paper, books, look up the words. Uh, even better, blueletterbible.org. I use it all the time. Blueletterbible.org. Go there, put the name in, put a text in, whatever, but like with this, put in anger and just hit search. Put in angered, search, angering, anger us, whatever, <laughs> angereth, whatever you want in there, put it in, search it, and start diving into God's word. What does God's word have to say? Listen, friends, this is the time where we become lazy. See, I don't want to search my heart, and I don't want to search scripture. I'm just going to be straight up with you. You don't want to grow. Well, Doug, that's your job. I love you. <laughs> Search your heart. Search scripture on the subject. What am I wanting? It can even be, what am I fearing? Repentance. It should be right in there, a sensitive heart. Well, Spirit of God, Word of God, do a work in me. Push me. Encourage me. Help me. Give me insight. God, do the work in me. By the way, 2 Corinthians 7 talks about worldly repentance and godly repentance. Worldly repentance and godly repentance in the text both have tears, that idea of emotional distress. But, but worldly repentance, repentance, it just leaves it there. It leaves it in a, I'm sad I got caught. I'm sad over the fact that this is bringing disaster around me. Godly repentance gets after it and does something about it. Repentance is a beautiful place, friends. Repentance is where training takes place versus trying. And put off what is earthly in you. What needs to be put off? What's going on in my thinking in the moments of angry or just when I just have this, I have this lust to be able to argue with people? Why, why is that? What's going on in me? What's happening in my thinking? What do I need to put off that's taking place in it? What am I wanting? Uh, I do what I do because I think what I think. 
What are the situations? What are the scenarios? Are there particular people around it that I just need to be aware of? What scripture truths am I bringing to mind in the battle to put off and put on? Trained to a Christ-like spirit of kindness or peaceableness. Hey, question. Uh, when is a liar no longer a liar? Well, most people answer when they stop lying. Unbiblically wrong. A liar is no longer a liar biblically when they, begin, when they become a truth teller. Uh, when is a thief no longer a thief biblically? Well, when they stop thieving. No. Uh, when they start giving. You see, this is where the, with the put off, the, the put on, this is where Christ-likeness begins to happen. And, and this is where it's like, instead of an angry spirit, uh, God, do a work in me for a kind spirit. Uh, God, uh, instead of an argumentative tone, uh, help me to have a peaceable tone. God, I want to walk into a room and people be thrilled that I'm there, not because it's me, but because it's Christ-like coming into the room. I want that, Lord. I want that in me. And all of this should be motivated not out of a sense for a better life. All of this is motivated out of a called to be new for the glory of God. This is what God's people do. Thinking, repentance, put off, put on. Let me move quickly now. just go into overdrive. Let me give some more examples. Controlling critical spirit. I want to put that off. I I just, it's like I have to control everything. It's like, you know, I just have a critical spirit. The first thing that comes in my mind is why that's a bad idea. Why life stinks. Why everything's horrible. Wait, go go to work on your thinking. Search your heart. Search your scripture. God's word. Search it uh, on control, on critical spirit. Do the work of it. Uh, do the repentance of it. Just the fact of saying, God, this is me, and this does not bring you glory. And in fact, the whole story reminds me of the fact I am not in control. Hey, friend, if you are a control freak, stop trying to be God. And that's the kind of mindset we have to have about these kinds of things. Put it to death. Don't pamper it. Don't tackle it. Don't put it to the side. Put it to death and put it away. That's the idea. There's a tenacity of it. It's like every time a controlling spirit, a critical mindedness in me comes up, oh God, help me to crush it. Because it brings no glory to you because you are the one that is in control. And so often when I am critical, I am actually being critical about your sovereign hand in my life. And my criticalness with others, my criticalness with situations, ultimately is about my criticalness of a God who is involved in the details of life. And just straight up, he hates it. But it's a battle, isn't it? Because I want to control. Oh, and I can be critical. Trust me. Repent. Put off. Put on Christ-likeness. Like what? Like meekness? Like grace? God, I I don't want to just stop trying to control. I want to be a person of meekness, power under control. 
God, I don't want to just stop having a critical spirit. I want to be a person that brings grace into the room. Greedy, lustful spirit. Again, search your heart. Search the scripture. Repentance, that's a place to be and just stay there and frequent there. And God, I want to put, I want to put that off. Um, yeah, a greedy, lustful spirit. Um, I want to put that off. And God, I want to put on a generous spirit, a worshipful spirit, greedy. That's where I just got to have things lust. It's just, I got to have it. I got to have it. This is what's going to make me happy. This is what's going to fulfill my moment in it. Really put it off. And in fact, I want to turn a lustful moment into a worship moment of God. God, this greed for money is out of control. God, this lust for porn is out of control. And you've created these things and you've provided these things. And I need to live these things in a way that brings worship and glory to you instead of, frankly, defaming your goodness. A fearful, anxious spirit. We all know what that is, right? You guys are weak on that. Fearful. What's going on in me? What am I fearing? Name it. Search your heart. Search scripture. Boy, God's word talks about fear all over the place. By the way, when Jesus was in Gethsemane, I might say in some ways there was a fear, there was anxiousness there. What was he doing? He was bringing it before the Father. Hey, it's not about getting having no fear. It's not even about having no anxiety. It's about God being the one over it. And understanding that from Scripture and putting off what is earthly and instead putting on a spirit of faithfulness and abiding, a spirit of calm, of a spirit of biblical courage, a spirit of biblical peace. Spirit that understands God, God's got the whole story from beginning to end already worked out. And whatever happens with this country politically, friend, friend, the Lord's in charge. I've met people in Russia before the wall fell who loved Jesus and loved Jesus under communism, okay? It's okay, wherever the Lord allows to go. Him first. Discouraged, broken spirit, uh, spirit of gospel refreshment. God, instead of that, what's going on in me? Why am I discouraged? Why am I broken? By the way, you understand now, when sin came into the picture, we now live in a broken world with broken spirits, and friends, if you're ever discouraged, join the team. By the way, Jesus wept. This isn't about becoming robots who don't feel. This is about becoming Christ-like God might refreshment in you, even in the hurt and the heavy. Hope in you, God, might that be the case? 
I'm just going to lastly go through these really fast. Okay? Put on. I desire for God's glory to put on a spirit of prayer, a spirit of, prayer, of scripture. What's the thinking about that? What's going on? What's in my heart? Again, what's, what, what does scripture have to say about it? Are you getting the idea? I'm just trying to hammer it again and again on this. Oh, by the way, uh, Deuteronomy 32, 47, uh, speaking of scripture, uh, these are not idle words for you. They are your life. Are they? You see, that's when we begin probing what's going on in our heart, what's going on in our thinking with things. By the way, Proverbs 18.1, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. By the way, if we apply that to, you know, I'm sep separating myself from time with the Lord, from time in his word. Uh, by the way, uh, we become fools in that reality. Uh, repentance, oh God, for lack of, uh, put off, uh, uh, put off self-sufficient, self-truth spirit. I, I, I don't need God's word. I, I don't need prayer. No, we, we do. I desire to put on a spirit of love or kindness. Search my heart, search God's word. Just face down confession before the Lord. Uh, a self-put off, a self-centered or callous spirit. Really? Like, really? Like, we can't love This world would love to see some kindness. You want to shine a radiant light? There you go. Put off self-centered or callous spirit. Another, I want to put on the spirit of stewardship of body. I'm referring to, it can be an eating disorder. It can be uh, not taking care of ourselves. It can having idolatry of our body. By the way, we're all going to die. I just want for you to know that well, we're going to die one day unless the Lord comes back. And, and you're not going to live forever here. Thank God. And search my heart, search scripture. Is it a fearful heart, a negligent spirit? Uh, last two and I got to close. Uh, put on a spirit of compassion or evangelism. Oh God, might that just burn in our hearts? God, it's not all about me. It's about others. And yeah, we are a church that desires to, to be intensely vertical and deeply scriptural. Uh, and God, God, we are going to be disciples who are growing in you. That's who we've always wanted to be. That's who we always will be. And yet in the reality of it, Lord, you've also called us to be people that go, to be people that love others. And maybe it's just, frankly, I need to put off an unaware or apathetic spirit. Or the last one, I want to grow in, as a serving and giving Search my heart, search God's word, place of repentance. Put off what is earthly, maybe a selfish or a withholding spirit. Different kind of a day today. I left the last service just like, ah, I don't know if this is working or helping or not, but uh, I trust that the Lord will use Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul. But whatever was to my profit, I now, because of Christ, consider loss. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider everything a loss. I consider it loss in light of the greatness and the beauty and the glory of the Lord. 
I want to know Christ, Paul says. I want to know Christ in the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. Not that I have already obtained all this or already been made pure, but I press on. I press on to take a hold of what the Lord has given me. Might that be our stories in increasing ways? Lord, thank you. Um, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness, your enduring love uh, of us. And God, here as a church, we just want to be a place that raises disciples and makes disciples. And, and God, this is one of those arenas that is so important. We too often just uh, wish and hope for change to happen in our lives, but I just see Scripture calling us to participate in it in an active way. I just pray that these thoughts, these tools, this conversation would help spur that. Lord, I stand here today and I think, what if? What if each of us were to intentionally pick one area of our life to get after a year. One area this year, next year, the year after, all the way to 2023. God, when we look at it to that picture, that's eight, nine areas of life that have had concentrated, intense, present, active, continuous, imperative intentionality to and that's doable. Help us to work and to will for you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.